You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. I got a call from someone in Vancouver. They basically said to me, this was my fault. And they said, because if you hadn't reported it, then none of this would have happened. Former Washington Capitals coach Bruce Boudreaux has been fired by the Vancouver Can- Canucks. I was pretty sure it was coming from about uh, October 8th. <laughs> I just didn't know when. I-, I have it on crystal clear authority that they were not permitted to make the coaching change when they wanted to. The really successful franchises in, in the NHL don't have ownership involved in hockey ops decisions at that level. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, hey, dog. good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Uh, Jason, I mentioned we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. You're the king of orthotics. That's his new nickname. The king of orthotics. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Someone has moved, either moved the camera in studio. By the way, you can stream the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet now. I've never sat closer to you before. I have to continually move closer to mm-hmm. you to get into the middle of the shot. Is it making you uncomfortable? Uh, no. Okay. You, you know you've got, there's a little piece of tape on yeah, but your it's over desk. Here, but it's over here. Oh, okay. It's, so someone go- has moved the camera. Something's afoot. Maybe there was, was an earthquake. Studios. Yeah, maybe. didn't go detected. You, yes, and it affected only my camera. Halford is uh, very routine oriented too. I love like, the process. Could could everyone just uh, could everyone just like mouth the words he says for the first two minutes of the show, including like how he introduces? Things. No one could do it like I can. And, like, That's Jason, why the process works. Jason, tell us about Kintech. If I didn't like, ask you, could you, do, you could do that in your sleep. <laughs> if I didn't ask you to talk about Kintech. Would you know to co- yeah. talk about Kintech? Okay. I would. Well, there we- now I just wait for like, Jason, you're the king of orthotics. I like it. Like, it's good. It's routine. It just keeps everyone, you know, like even the way you stay, say good morning, everyone's like, okay, this is how the routine starts. So we anytime were- your routine gets broken, you're kind of lost, it's which includes chaos. the camera being moved two inches. Something's off! It was a seismic event. Uh, we got a big show ahead on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You're going to begin the guest list at 6.30 with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. We'll whip around the NHL as we do every week with Greg. Um, touch base on all the big stories of the week. Many of them coming from Vancouver. 7.30, uh, Mark Lazarus. It's always hard to say his name. Yeah, I know. I we'll, always say Lazarus. We'll try not to call him Lazarus. I don't yeah. know what it is. He's the asterisk. Of hockey writers, how do you, right? how you, know, do you fumble you Lazarus? It's it's pronounced because with Nazareth because like the because because there's a Lazarus too, right? Yeah. So you want to say th at the end? It's like asterisk versus asterisk. That That's well, that one is that one is tough, right? That one is or as tough. Halford says, nuclear or etc. Nuclear. <laughs> uh, Seven thirty. Pronounced nuclear. Seven thirty. That guy's going to join us. We'll talk about the Chicago Blackhawks who are in town tonight. Uh, it is tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. We're giving away tickets, right, A-Dog? Can you let the people know yes. about the ticket giveaway? Yeah, you know, hashtag WWL, ticket emoji, give us your best, what we learn, praise me thoroughly, and you might win the tickets. These are tickets for tonight's game? They are do tickets. We usually do... We do. We're cutting okay. it close. Sorry, I'm asking a lot of questions no, about fine. the routine that we go through <laughs> on this radio show. Uh, I know I've been here for a while. But... <laughs> so wait, we're with the Canucks. I'm talking to this puffy thing in front of me, right? Yes, we, yes. Uh, you text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 to win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Blackhawks. Now, I'm going to throw you on the spot. I'm going to make you read I that. Know. There's a new read. Halford's yeah. routine I tried completely... it. I, tr- I tried it this morning. did not go well. I practiced. It did not work out well. 
Jason, tell the people about Dunbar Lumber in the 650-650 text line. You nearly said Kintec there. Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center. That's the new one. Or Arbutus and Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. I'm right by that one. He carved Which one? one? The Express Center. There, it's right near the other one in line. What does an express lumber center look you like? Gotta you gotta throw. You, know, you throw the lumber into the store <laughs> as you're driving by it. Here you go. Yeah, you just throw them on. They, sk- they do skate sharpening at the. <laughs> yes, express. that's right. Yeah. That was the ad read that we yeah. had. They do skate sharpening there, of course. Really? Uh, anyway, Mark there's w- actually a drive-through uh, window for the Dunbar Lumber Express. You're <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. I need a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> How many got back there? And you have to talk like that, apparently. <laughs> um, Mark Lazarus is going to join us at 7.30 to talk about all that exclusively, the express window at Dunbar Lumber. 8 o'clock, Thomas Drance, Athletic Vancouver, Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we can get into everything that transpired, yes, transpired, in the first practice under Rick Tockett and 17 other head coaches. I think they had a one-to-one ratio between coaches and players on the ice yesterday. I enjoyed a lot of the pictures, a bunch of the panicked looks of the players on the ice. Talk was putting them through the paces, I guess. Yes, and they were enjoyable. they were being like scrutinized and analyzed by no fewer than eight coaches, I think, that were out there at one point. I know I said this yesterday, but are you guys kind of just looking forward to watching some hockey? Uh, yeah. I mean, like no drama, just the hockey kind of thing? Watching hockey in terms of, hey, there's a new coach. Let's see how it looks different. Yeah. Right? The reason you yeah. do a regime change is it does draw in new interest. I'm looking forward to how the defense looks. Like, will it be a gong show still, or will they have a bit of right. structure? Or, you know, I mean, we're going to go over this on the show today, things to watch for tonight. But I'm uh, – listen, I know there's been a lot of drama, and I'm sure there are some people that are like, wait, aren't you guys going to rip on the Canucks anymore? I'm not done yet with my rage. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we might do a little bit of that. That's kind of just a tradition of the show. We'll see how they do, right? It's part of the routine. But, like, I actually do want to see what this team looks like under a different coach, especially the the hockey nerd in me is kind of like, okay, well, a lot of it's going to be X's and O's stuff. So let's see if the PK looks any different. Let's see just if they're going to play. You know, I don't love low event hockey, but let's see how low event they can get under this new head coach. I just want to see something different because with um, with the Canucks this season, every game pretty much has looked the same. You're kind of like, yeah, there's the – there's the breakdown. There is an interest. <laughs> there's, there's the five yeah. goals surrendered. It's, All right. It's a good, I want to see what Tockett does with lazy back checks. The first lazy back check, I want to see how Tockett responds to that. I'll be, yeah, really, the, I'll be the really guy curious. Ha- guy has to go back to the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, he's not there anymore. <laughs> as, I understand it, as I understand it, it's not laziness. It's just temporarily blacking out. That's there's right. a big difference there, okay? Uh, Canucks Blackhawks, 7 o'clock tonight at Rogers Arena. We mentioned that. Ten other NHL games. It's a busy night in the NHL. Uh, Boston-Montreal, one of the Canadian teams in action, Winnipeg and Nashville. The other, there's a bunch of NBA games. There's a quarters of the Aussie Open. But we got a big guest list. We got a lot to get to. First practice under Rick Tuckett. Uh, that is one of the things that happened yesterday. Laddie, take it away. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? So numerous takeaways yesterday from Vancouver Canucks practice. The first, where Rick Tockett, Sergey Gonchar, and Adam Foote were all in attendance leading the guys through their paces. There were a number of interesting takeaways. Uh, and as you put in the notes, welcome, everybody, to the Jack Studnika era. Studnika, the early winner, at least for Monday, of the grand prize draw of who gets the new coaching bump. He moves up to a line with Bo Horvat at his center and Brock Besser as his winger. Uh, I went on to read that this is actually a rarity for Studnicki. You would have thought that maybe he would have had some looks in mm-hmm. Boston. He said he recalled one game where he got to fill in for Patrice Bergeron to play alongside Brad Marchand, and then he said he played maybe two or three games alongside David Krejci, and that was it in Boston. Well, I hope he's got more than he's shown already. Uh, I know he hasn't been awful, but he hasn't been great either, right? Like... Uh, I haven't. I think the one thing with Stadnika is I just haven't noticed him much. Now, granted, um, as we were talking about with the Canucks, I think I've personally stopped watching the games, or I had stopped watching the games 
as closely as I used to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like You, you weren't just, into it for the nitty-gritty, I guess. No, I think yeah. a lot of people weren't because they were just kind of like, well, what's the point of trying to break down exactly what's going on with this Canucks structure? And, you know, you're like, I, I, Jack Stanika was just so far away from the, the heart of the matter yeah. that you're kind of like, well, I'm not going to really get too much into that. Um, I haven't noticed him that much. I don't think he's been terrific out there. Uh, it's interesting that um, during the press conference with Alvin uh, Rutherford and Rick Tockett the other day on Sunday, um, there seemed to be um, this feeling, and maybe it's around the management guys that have brought in new guys, that some of the new guys or some of the depth players – haven't been given a big opportunity. And maybe some of their ice time is being stolen by the likes of JT Miller playing 24 minutes a night. I think there is going to be a feeling, or there is a feeling in the organization, that there are other players that can do more if put in the right position to succeed. Rutherford said, hey, it might be that these guys just aren't all that good and they've underperformed for a reason because they're underperformers. But in a new structure, in a new system – Maybe they can thrive. Well, I'm glad, you know yeah. what? I'm glad, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I am too, because it was a good point. It is. And it actually harkens back to something that came up a few weeks ago, but in the inverse. We, I, mean, I remember coming in here and you and I talked a lot about Boudreaux playing the wheels off his top guys because what was he concerned about at the time? Getting wins. Yeah. Didn't matter how. Yeah. If, it, if it meant three extra minutes for Petey. And three less minutes for, I don't know, Lane Peterson. So be it. Boudreaux was uh, on a guy. He, he was a lame duck coach with no time left on his contract, looking to do whatever he could to survive another day. And then all of a sudden you start to look at it and you're saying, well, wait a minute. Uh, Hoaglander and Pod Colson really didn't progress at all. In fact, they regressed mm-hmm. on his watch. And then this move with Studnika. Like my immediate, and it's this. This is one of those things where it's like it's about Jack Studnika, but it's not really about Jack Studnika. Because think about the dynamic here. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that Rick Tockett, while at TNT, wasn't analyzing <laughs> hours and hours of Jack Studnika film. <laughs> I he, bet he had. He was no, the lead story, right? How, how can you be sure about that though? He's <laughs> like, they got all these big things going on across the league. He's like, guys, can we talk about Studnika for a couple minutes here? He's asking the guys in the truck to be like. Uh, we need an ISO. Yeah, just follow Stanika. him around. The Canucks game isn't even on the broadcast, Rick. So my, my as we belabor this point, <laughs> my uh, my overall point is that this feels like something that maybe Tockett was told upon taking the job or suggested upon taking the job that, yeah, you might want to try and get some of these guys that we've acquired into more prominent positions to see what they do. And he's got the perfect um, landscape for it. Because there is zero pressure on Rick Tockett to win hockey games right now. Mm-hmm. Not in the immediacy. It's his job to do a lot of different things, including, and I'll bring this point to the table now, The one, th- my one takeaway from yesterday, I joked about it earlier, the amount of coaches on the team, and then the amount of coaches that were on the ice, but, and I don't know if we have this particular audio, we can get to some other ones later, Tockett was meeting with the media, and he actually talked about kicking the learning into hyperdrive by having a million coaches on the ice. Yeah. He's like, instead of having one talking to the group, I'm going to have 10 talking to individual mm-hmm. guys about what they need to do and what more specifically, I think they don't want to see them do. Right? The Sedins were out there at some point too. Ian they? Clark was out there. Jason mm-hmm. King was out there. I don't know who else got a twirl. Like I stand well, Gonchar and foot. Yeah. The, the new, the two new guys. And Gonchar was there live in person was not a zoom. Which Someone is... was carrying around a laptop and he was just yelling at people. <laughs> it was just a clown really, car. I really hope that happens. I do someday. want to see that happen. They dropped <laughs> a clown car off and coaches just kept pouring That's out. That's right. Please, non-stop. please turn the screen to the right a bit. I got to yell at this guy. So the other thing we learned from Rick Tockett is that when it comes to his uh, forward lines, he he likes to work in um, pairs or duos. So as you can see how it's laid out, Studnika is with Horvat and Besser. So Horvat and Besser are probably going to be a pair that I or he's gonna he's gonna hope that those pairs work out, and then maybe he's gonna rotate in someone for Studnika. Uh, on the second line, it's Miller and Garland together. Those are the two veteran NHLers, and Sheldon Dries is with them. Um, I'm not sure who the pair is on the third line because it's Pedersen between Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. Probably Pedersen and, I don't know, 
Kuzmenko? Who knows? But that's just kind of his theory that he thinks about things and he goes, okay, well, I like these two forwards together, so we'll keep them together. And the other one can be kind of interchangeable. Uh, we'll see how that progresses. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more that came from yesterday, and we're going to start with JT Miller. JT Miller was in the middle as a center, as mentioned, between Garland and Dries. Dries, mm-hmm. Dries, whatever. Dries, we, yeah. I know. And uh, he had an interview, I think it was an exclusive talk with iMac, because we don't have the audio that of the quotes that we're talking about. So I think iMac was just chatting him, chatting with him after all the cameras and the microphones left. And once again, JT Miller talked about his emotions and how I guess he cares too much or whatever. And he was also talking about how he just needs to be better in certain areas of his play. Now, some of you will hearken back to after he signed his long-term contract extension, which, by the way, hasn't kicked in yet. Soon, though, soon. And he talked about, and I thought quite eloquently, and I thought with a lot of humility, about his need to get better as a two-way player and how he looks at some of the best players in the game, and he admires the two-way centers that are not only good offensively, but more importantly, they are responsible defensively. Now, those words rang a little hollow, a little empty. (laughs) And they (laughs) rang even emptier as the season progressed uh, as some of JT Miller's two-way work was looked at and gone, this isn't even close. Like, you're not even – you admire those elite players and we're thinking of the likes of Patrice Bergeron. Like, you don't – you're not – you can't play center. But he's going to be back at center, and I think this is an organizational decision that they have to get JT Miller going as a centerman, especially if Bo Horvat is traded. You know why? Let me jump in for a second because we do have Miller audio, and I, I think it's important to hear it from the guy okay. himself just to kind of get a sense of exactly what we're talking about here because this was the other big takeaway from yesterday. JT Miller um, talking about his defensive play and his back-checking or lack thereof. And then there's a there's another wrinkle I want to get to on this on the other side as well. Here's JT Miller from yesterday. Going through a lot of the stuff, a lot of the BS outside of the room is it's it's taxing, uh, you know, especially when you're coming to the rink and you're not getting the results. Um, at the end of the day, for myself, just try to look in the mirror and you know how how can I be better on the ice? You know, you know how can I be a better leader? How can I, you know, control my emotions better? But at the same time, it's hard. Like it's very very hard when I play with a lot of emotion to keep it completely under control. And like I said, it may come off differently all the time. But at the end of the day, it's revolved around playing the right way and winning hockey games. And when we're not getting those results, you know, I'm mad at myself 99% of the time. So no uh, matter how it may come off. You know, the really interesting thing here, I think, is when Freed yesterday in the 32 Thoughts pod, uh, and he essentially said, make no mistake, this hire is a lot about JT Miller. Like, I think they are yeah. in, um, God, salvage mode doesn't sound right, but I think it is almost at that point. Where they're like, okay, we see what's in front of us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to salvage a guy whose seven-year contract hasn't even begun yet? That's I, what yeah. you're telling I, that's me? That's rare, isn't it? That's unusual. <laughs> Miller, look, Miller <laughs> talked yesterday and owned up to a lot of this. Like, I'm not saying it made it any better, but he said, this year's been awful for me. Like, I feel like this has been really bad, and it has. Can I read some of the quotes that he gave IMAC? Yep. Uh, he said, there's been a handful of negative moments this year that have really defined my season. I understand in this market, this is what you're going to get, but that's not my character to play like that. There's plenty of times where I'm hauling my ass on the back check, but the bad ones are bad. Like, I know they are. I'm the guy that's last up at night thinking about that. I'm not thinking about what everybody's going to say, whether it's the end of a shift or this or that. I know what I did. It's not me saying, screw that, I don't care. No, that's just me. So in my own head that it's like it turns into a blackout for a brief amount of time. I'm still a leader on the team here and leading by example is not doing that. And I fully understand that it's been something on my chest all year because I feel like I've been kind of typecast for what kind of player I've been this year, but it's just been a handful of moments. Okay. This is a very weird um, detour here. Mm -hmm. I love it. Did you see the stuff uh, with Shannon Sharp? At, yeah. at the basketball game. Yeah. Shannon Sharp 
apologized for that, for getting into it with the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm not even really sure what the whole backstory is behind that. It doesn't matter. He apologized. Okay, don't, yeah. we don't know. We don't sure. need to know. We don't have the time. He apologized for that, and he said, I'm not going to say that wasn't Shannon Sharp, because it was, but I apologize anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I saw that. It was interesting. You know, like, I, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I was like, <laughs> you know, so, so many people there say, that's not me. I, well, like, it was, because we've got you on camera. Sure. Right? But I think what So he, until yeah. that stops, until that sort of behavior stops, but, like, I... I I don't want to make this about Shannon Sharp, right? I just thought that was interesting. He's like, I owned it. Like, I completely owned it. It was like, yeah, that was me. Like, that's part of who I can be sometimes, right? Like, I'm not not perfect, and this is where – but, like, it kind of – it kind of, uh, um, you know, he's like, I've kind of been typecast for what kind of player I've been this year. What do you mean typecast? Like, don't we have you, like, bang on? But here's the thing. What he said, like, if anyone says it rings hollow, that's not right. Because it doesn't ring hollow. It actually sounds like he's trying to explain exactly what's going through his mind. Yeah, it sounds the, genuine. The questions are, is the stuff going through your mind, like, the appropriate way to go about this? Like, is your personality such that maybe you're just not getting it? Or maybe you need someone to steer it in the right direction. Or is such an emotional guy who has, like, I don't mind emotions. Yeah. But... Can you have a guy that has trouble channeling his emotions as one of your leaders on the team? And I think, think that's where Tockett is going to come in. And well, I he don't, said that himself, and he was. But, I don't, but, do, I, but don't we all admire leaders who are emotional, but also like leaders who are passionate, but also leaders that are that have composure. That in the big moments, like he was talking about how uh, the the pressure. Has got to him. How, and he said something along the lines of like, it's felt like every game is game seven. Mm-hmm. Well, is that the way you're going to be when this Canucks team gets to a game seven? Like right. you're going to be so emotional that you're going to lose your mind? Yeah. And is that the type of leader you want? Can you do better? Can the, the word for me, the big word for me is composure. That is what you need from your leaders on a team in the big moments. And, and Rick Tockett is going to talk a lot about game management how you handle certain moments of a game. And when the pressure ramps up, are you going to be the guy that you can rely on to go out there and do your job? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be the guy that's blacking out because he makes a mistake? Well, that's really interesting because um, Miller, here's the thing. Miller talks like he's a leader. M- Miller talk like a lot of things he says are the stuff that captains say of teams. Right? I mean, he talks about, I want to be this guy. I want to be a mentor for younger players. I shoulder this responsibility. I take this harder than anybody. Got to be a better way to say that. Yada, 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 right? And I, those, are, those are the lines and phrases and words of a guy that's a leader. But as you just pointed out, um, it might actually be in contrast to how he's actually viewed and then what actually plays itself out. I mean, you got to remember, for as much as we talk about the leadership group, at least in terms of C's and A's, like he's mm-hmm. not a part of it right now. Yeah. And I don't know if he's ever going to be a part of it. Maybe that's one of Tockett's moves is slap an A on him. Or maybe it's even go further with it. And then you almost force the guy to change his ways because he's like, look, that letter on your jersey means something right now. Now, I have no idea if they'll do this. But what you're talking about is very accurate. And we've talked about this before. The Canucks have put him... JT Miller in this, I hate using this term, but this alpha, this alpha situation, this Mm -hmm. alpha role where he's the highest paid player on the team. Nobody signed longer than JT Miller. So he's got that clout. He's also got the clout of personality where he's a very demonstrative guy on a team that's quite reserved overall. And he pointed that out the other day and he He wasn't wrong to do that. Right. And he was very accurate and and like his assessments are usually pretty close. I think when Mm -hmm. they come to, his own individual play, he gets a little defensive. But when it's about the rest of the team, I find him to be pretty accurate. So we're talking about the things that we're looking forward to seeing under this new head coach and how maybe some of us are going to start watching the game a, a little bit differently, um, hoping that things are going to be different, that the Canucks are going to play a, a more responsible game. Well, JT Miller is going to be one of these guys where he's under the spotlight. So let's see how he performs and mm-hmm. maybe – more to the point, let's see how he behaves on the ice. Mm-hmm. Is Rick Tockett going to say, hey, no more of this stuff where you come back to the bench 
and you slam your stick on the bench and start swearing and everyone every one of your teammates is like okay man calm down just a little bit like let's stay in the game here mm-hmm. let's stay focused on the next shift and let's be less about being angry about what's already happened on the ice it's okay to be emotional in fact it's good you want to be passionate it gives people energy but you have to channel it the right way and that's going to be on JT Miller to improve and it's going to be on Rick Tockett to help guide him. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the best. Halford and Bruff. Joining us now, Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Morning, gentlemen. How have the last 24 to 48 to 72 hours been for you, Thomas? There's a lot that's gone on. I noticed you guys were jam-packed full of content at The Athletic. The club has provided you no shortage of things to talk about, but I almost don't want to go back to the Boudreaux stuff because I feel like we've done a decent enough job of that. This is about now what happened at practice yesterday and what's going to happen tonight when the Canucks take on the Blackhawks at Rogers Arena and it's Rick Tockett's first uh, time as the head coach behind the bench of the Vancouver Canucks. Where I wanted to start with you was something that you pointed out in The Athletic yesterday. The sheer volume of coaches that were on the ice is maybe got up to double digits. There's a lot of them. I think it's a kind of a funny, amusing anecdote, but I think there's something there too when Tockett talks about how much that needs to be implemented how much the players need to learn. It may be one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's get more hands on deck so that we can do this learning quicker and get it up to speed, uh, chop, chop, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's from, from his own description, right? It sounds like they were mostly just focused on getting a sweat in, getting acclimatized to meeting everybody. Um, you know, the numbers will dwindle a bit because it doesn't sound like Sergei Gonchar is going to be around full time. Um, and there is such a thing, I'm pretty sure, especially in a free-flowing game like hockey, is overcoaching. <laughs> you know, like, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a level of detail, uh, control, that's impossible to exert over over the proceedings at the end of the day. And we all know that. I mean, we all watch games turn on a puck that deflects off a skate or uh, just like an incredible skill play by the best player on the ice that couldn't be replicated uh, or drawn up on a whiteboard anyway. Um, You know, (laughs) here's my expectations overall. Like, I think talk is going to win a lot of games here. Okay. I think talk is going to win a lot of games here over the, over the balance of the season. What there's 36 games remaining. I'd be pretty surprised if the Canucks, don't reel off something like 40 points in those 36 games, just based on the quality of the competition, uh, based on, you know, the fact that they've hired a new coach outright, based on the fact that they can't possibly continue to play this poorly. (laughs) I think that you're not going to keep getting goaltending this bad. Um, You know, you're not going to keep getting guys like Connor Garland and JT Miller are struggling to the extent that they have this season, particularly because of the percentages at play there. Uh, even with Horvat moving on likely, right. Even with Luke Shen being subtracted, um, you know, this team's going to win more games than they have over the first half of the season over the balance. And, and I think the key thing to look for isn't like, what's the score of those games? Are they lower scoring games? Like it's like the key here is to look a little bit past the results and see how differently can talk it, get them to control play in moments where teams aren't like taking their foot off the gas here, right? Like the, yeah. it's really hard down the stretch of a season to evaluate a team because what's going to happen here is, Canucks are going to play 16 of the worst teams in the league over their last 36 games. Like the bulk of their games are against the Chicago's, the Anaheim's, the Ottawa's, the St. Louis's of the league. The the games they play against good teams, they're going to play against teams that are playing at half speed and starting their backup goaltenders and looking past the Canucks outright. Right. So you have to take all of that context and, and keep it in mind and really judge talk it on like, those few games he plays where it matters to the other team, 
can this Canucks team control play a little bit better? Like that, that's, that's going to be the only like sliver, right? Like the, like the light shining into like a cave of, of actual meaningful hockey that this team's going to play over the balance. So really, I mean, you know, talk it's sort of standard for his own improvements going to be, or, or at least as he elaborated and put it on Sunday was, you know, every player improves, but it's like every player better play better over the back half of this season, considering how lightly this team is going to be taken and how bad the competition is. You know, you're playing Chicago tonight. Like, what's my expectation for tonight? If you don't beat this Chicago Blackhawks team, <laughs> like, that's embarrassing. because and, and not because this Canucks team is better than the Chicago Blackhawks. It's because the Chicago Blackhawks have done a better job of positioning themselves to lose this season. Right? Like it's it's because the Blackhawks are better positioned. Not because the Canucks have more talent. But the Canucks are gonna beat the Blackhawks tonight. And they should do really well over the balance, and it's not gonna mean a ton. It's really not gonna mean a ton. It's gonna be a thing that we have to be very careful about evaluating and overreacting to, and yet, you know, you could see from the practice tweets like yesterday, and I'm I'm reading these because I wasn't at practice yesterday. I was uh, I was at the studio doing Connects Hour. And you know, I can see all this like emphasis on like, look at Gonchar working with Quinn Hughes, and like this practice is much higher paced than what we've seen in the past, <laughs> and, and it's like it, it looks exactly like what we did last year, where it was like, look at these smiling players. Everyone is so happy now that the evil Travis Green is gone, and I'm sure it's exactly what happened when Travis Green were replaced Willie Desjardins. And it was like, the coach isn't drooling on himself. Like, you know, like, come on. Come on. None of this matters. None of this matters. Like, we're really talking about practice and how structured this all looks and the impact of Gonchar and Quinn. Like, come on. Come on. See, that's interesting. I I have no appetite for this. I have no appetite for this. I think there's real genuine potential for it to go the other way in terms of wins and losses under Talkit for a couple reasons. One... Uh, you say they can't keep getting this bad at goaltending. <laughs> I beg to differ. If, if they keep rolling out the guys that they've got, it could very well go this way. The biggest difference from last year to this year is that Demko was on fire last year. This year he's been bad, and now he's hurt. Two, I do think it's interesting that a couple things that Talkett wanted to point out where he wants to play certain guys less, meaning his best players, maybe not lean on them as heavily, whereas Boudreaux was playing the wheels off these guys to get wins and get results. And I do think that there's something baked into the approach here about, well, if there are losses, it's because we're trying to learn a whole bunch of new stuff and there's going to be growing pains along the way. What's Hey, if it happens, good for him. Yeah. Like if it happens, if it happens, I'll be praising him. I think, I think it's a fertile (laughs) ground for losing. I really do. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think when you replace the coach, you're going to get a bump and this team isn't that bad. And their mindset is not going to be, let's pack it in. Like, I, I honestly will be surprised if this continues to go off the rails. Like, it's hard. It's hard to be bad. It's hard to have won two – sorry, this team's won three times in regulation, three times in regulation since November 27th. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as that requires an incredible level of incompetence on the ice, it also requires you to be really bad. Like, like it, it requires luck. It requires luck to be that bad. You, it's hard. It's hard to lose like that in this league. Well, it's funny because we, we just talked We just talked to Laz from The Athletic, and we were talking about how the Blackhawks have won six of eight. And he's like, yeah, they're screwing everything up. Like, they got to stop doing this. They, they, were, they were on their – at one point, they were 8-25-4. And, and that wasn't yeah, that long beautiful. ago. That was early January, like a, a, a terrible record. And now, and now they've won a little bit to the point where it's, ah, they're not the worst team in the league anymore. There might be some other contenders. So I get what you're saying. Like, you do need a lot of things to go your way. <laughs> I feel like everything we asked Drance today is you'd be like, I don't have time to talk about that, or I have no interest in talking about that. Because, frankly, like, I, I, I get I get your, your, your view, Drance. Like, big picture, I get it. You're basically saying, like, until the team makes meaningful change, like, all this stuff is just distraction. Is that fair? Well, no, it's just the, I mean, for fundamentally, I don't think coaches make that big a difference. Right. And, and I'm probably a little bit higher on Rick Tockett as a coach than the market is. 
just like, you know, I, I think I agree with fans that Bruce Boudreaux is good, just like I'm way higher than the market is on, on what Travis Green is as a coach. Like, all of these coaches know what they're doing. NHL coaches are impressive, genuinely impressive. If you ever get a chance to watch hockey with an NHL coach, you will be blown away by all the details that they see. And yet, like, there's no coach that could have walked in, in my opinion, like, taken over this defense core, <laughs> taken over this team, and gotten a lot out of them, like, gotten them to 98 points this season or 103 points this season. Like, no, one, no one could do that. I, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe in the quality of this roster. And I don't believe that the pieces here, even the good ones, are skilled in a way that, that leads to winning as a collective group in the NHL, right? There's too much duplicate skill set. There's not yes. enough puck moving. There's yes. not enough two-way IQ. There's no and penalty so, killers. Like, things yeah, like no, that. No yeah. penalty killers. Yeah, the roster is badly constructed in terms of filling out roles that every hockey team needs. Sounds like a group that can lose to me, Thomas. Well, and I'm skeptical, too. <laughs> and I'm skeptical, too. I'm skeptical, too, about, like, the composition from a – out-compete your opponent in game 68 perspective, right? And for all of that, for all of that, I still think this team's massively underachieved. Like, you know, you say, we say, oh, the goaltending's not necessarily going to get better if they keep trotting these guys out. It's like, you know, I think Spencer Martin's probably better than this, right? I think Spencer Martin's probably an NHL-level goaltender. I think Colin Delia's a totally competent NHL-level option. I think Demko's way better than he looked when he was before he got hurt early in this season. And if he comes back and gives you a month of 930 goaltending, guess what? You're going to win 60% of those games. That's how, that's how hockey works. That's baseline stuff. So, you know, I, I mean, I just sort of look at it as an exercise in futility. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I fear. Here's what I fear. I fear that there's going to be a narrative of false hope that gets bought into again. And I'm, I'm just like bracing for it and I'm bracing for it in a way where I'm really intent on pointing out how absolutely rudderless and meaningless it is in advance. So you're getting ready for bubble 3.0 bubble. Bubble 1.0 bubble was the bubble 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 (laughs) 2.0 bubble 2.0 was Bruce. There it is. And bubble 3.0 will be, what, what would we call this? Like, Oh, I think bubble not allowing five goals per game. Uh, yeah, I think bubble three. I think bubble three is perfect, right? Especially because you think about that Vegas series. Like they got outshot by a hundred over a seven game series. Like again, that's unbelievable, and still took the Vegas Golden Knights to what within seven minutes of being a goal away from from advancing to the conference final. Yeah, like that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's the you know. I get I, I get the, the you're going with like the inherent predictability of it all given what we've seen again 1.0 and 2.0. I do genuinely believe I'm not just putting this on to play devil's advocate. I like genuinely believe that there is the framework here for them to be bad. Like I, another thing we haven't talked about, the inevitability of trading Bo Horvat and removing his 30 plus goals from the team. Like that's not going to make them any better either. I I just think that No, it's not. There there yeah. are there are a few things here that you could point to that will say no, this isn't going to be always like it was because it's hilarious well, to say. Like, is it fair to say, Drance, and this is something we were, I'm just going to help you out here, Alfred. Like when Boudreaux took over, is it fair to say that there was an element that he just went out there and said, guys, I just want you guys to go and play and, and, and do your best. And I'm not going to overload you with too many details. Um, and that helped them out in the short term. Is is that an argument that is fair to say? Because I, I've I've seen when the Canucks have been tasked with learning new things, whether it's Travis Green's last season when he came into training camp and said we we got some things to worry about, and it was all complicated because there were contracts to be dealt with with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, and then right. this this year when Bruce Boudreaux came in and he was tasked with a lot of homework for <laughs> the the off season, and they came in and maybe we're trying to learn some some new things, and we obviously know they got off to a bad start. Because sometimes when you're like loaded with a lot of things and you're not playing instinctual and you're th- you're kind of like okay wait a minute what am I supposed to do here? That's when you have a lot of trouble. Hopefully you get to the point where it does become extinct- instinctual, but it's a tough start. So 
I actually think it's simpler than that. When I, when I worked for the Panthers, I was talking to a veteran player about a coaching change that happened to another team. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like that coach. I think they'll do better. And he told me they won't. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to have a bounce because the players don't like the guy. And, uh, and from then on, every time there was a coaching change, I'd go and ask him, will they have a bounce? <laughs> and, and, and he'd call it solely based on, do the players like the guy? And he was almost always right. And it's, it's something that stuck with me. And I actually wrote it when the Canucks replaced Travis Green with Bruce Boudreaux, which is, if you're going to get a bounce, Boudreaux's the right guy to bring in because everyone likes him. Like, at the end of the day, I think what gives you a midseason bounce is do you bring in a guy the players are like, okay, let's, let's play for this guy, you know? I think that's, that's what sort of determines it more than anything else. And that's sort of just, uh, just um, like back-of-the-napkin rule that I follow based on uh, any on veteran NHL players' input when I worked with them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll see. Like, we'll, we'll see. I don't think Talk's known as a player's coach in the same way as Bruce Boudreaux. Um, so I guess maybe that's an argument in your favor, but, but here, look, like this is what I'm basing my opinion on, right? Me and Dom LeCision, right before the Boudreaux thing blew up, so Friday of last week, we modeled out what Vancouver would accomplish or like how much they could tank based off of a variety of scenarios. So like scenario one was the all-out tank. Like before the game tonight against the Colorado Avalanche, because this was on Friday, the Canucks trade Bo Horvat, Andre Kuzmenko, and Luke Shen, and they load manage Demko, and he plays only thirty-three percent of their remaining games. Right, like, and they get nothing back. Sure, no NHL players back for any of those players. So like you plug that into the supercomputer. We plug that into the supercomputer, and for comparison's sake, right, we plug into the supercomputer. The Canucks only trade Bo Horvat. They keep Shen and, and Kuzmenko, and for Bo Horvat, they get an NHL player back. Then they trade for an additional NHL player in the, like, Ethan Bear, Jack Studnika mold the deadline. They hold Bo Horvat right until the deadline, and they ride Demko over the balance. Like, what's the difference, right? Difference is four points. 79 points versus 83 points, according to Dom's supercomputer. Like, at the end of the day, what happened was the schedule's so soft, so incredibly three-ply soft here, that it has more impact on how the Canucks will perform over the balance than the quality of their own roster. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking about Arizona three times, and Anaheim a bunch of times, and like truly we're talking about the third weakest schedule in the NHL. It's going to be incredibly hard for this team to play as poorly as they have against all these like great teams, especially over the last 12 over the balance of the season. And I just think that opens up a ton of different possibilities for this team to fool this market again. We'll see if the Canucks can fool the supercomputer and lose a hockey game tonight. It's the Canucks (laughs) and the Blackhawks. 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Rick Tockett's first, uh, his debut as the head coach, the new head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Drancer, thanks for doing this today, bud. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight, the rest of the week. Have a good show today. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Oh, always happy to be a ray of sunshine for you gentlemen on a Tuesday morning. boy, Thanks, Drancer. That's Thomas Drance from The Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, that hit really won over a lot of fans in the city, mm-hmm. judging by the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Look, um, I'll say with Drance, you know, uh, he is very steadfast and is very thorough and well-researched in his analysis. Right. Mm-hmm. I disagree premise wise with how the second half of the season is going to play out. I think that there is more than enough evidence that points to this team not having this dramatic bounce and not having this terrific bounce back that can be influenced by a variety of factors, including Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, who can systematically take uh, not a sledgehammer, but a pretty big hammer to the, yeah. the roster if they so choose. Well, that's. Shen- that- Horvat, there can be guys removed from this active roster to bolster draft picks, prospects, or of age NHL guys that they want to take a look at. Flawed prospects from elsewhere. I think let let's let's um, I mean this never happens, but let's say you're wrong, 
And Drance is right. And because of the ease of the schedule. And by the way, just to clarify, when I said that the schedule is harder than it looks, I mean to start. Like, it definitely gets easy. Like, I think their last two games, for example, of the regular season are Anaheim and Arizona, right? There are some easy games down the stretch. I I, I just think it's going to be harder to start than maybe people are are saying like I realize they got Chicago tonight and Columbus on Friday, but they also got okay. Hold on a sec. Yeah, let's let's say you're wrong and the Canucks do get a bump and they play better and people are like, maybe they can turn it around. The challenge for management will be to be completely honest with themselves and go, okay, let's be honest here. How much of this was a result of the coaching change and the structure change or whatever? And that would make us look good, right? Like we've made this change and everyone's like, oh, maybe talk it is the answer for this group. And how much is it to do with the schedule or the, you know, the opponents or the natural bump that you're going to get? And that will be the challenge going into the offseason. It's going to be a lot easier, I think, if the Canucks do as you predict they do and they keep losing. Because then it's just obvious. Then you're just like – Okay, they're a bad team. They got to make major changes, and there's going to be no risk in that, right? There's no risk in that. Whatever. The problem with the Canucks is that there have been two occasions, as Drance pointed out, that they've been fooled, and they have invested in fool's gold. Number one would be the bubble, and number two would be Bruce. There it is. Now, I think Bruce. There it is. Is worse than the bubble because. The bubble thing got complicated because of departures that they had like Tanev and, and Edler and Markstrom, and there was the pandemic that affected revenues and spending and all that sort of thing. And Rutherford never hired Boudreaux. It was the owner, all these things. But it's just a matter of not necessarily like grabbing onto this positive and going, all right, guys, we've got it. We've figured it out. Be very honest with your assessment and admit – that there might be some things that actually just went, you maybe got a little bit a bit lucky. Like, I mean, in, like in the bubble, right? You got unbelievable goaltending. You also had the element of some of those veteran teams showed up and they were like, I have no interest in this. But Rutherford and Alvin had nothing to do with the bubble. They had nothing to do with the Bruce bump. They didn't even bring him in. I'll say this. If any of these, scenario, these scenarios happen, there's two things that you should hold this management group to account. One is that Jim Rutherford came out and said this team needs major surgery, not minor surgery. And two, Patrick Alvine told the incoming head coach that this is a big job ahead, that it's not going to be a quick fix. That's as cut and dry as you can make it. That's the president of hockey. Mike, Mike, he's also said that he wants to turn the team around in a year or two. Yeah. That's a quick fix to me. (laughs) He laughed at Drance when he said three years. That's a quick fix to me. But it's about fixing it. It's not about saying, well, these guys really respond under talking. We should keep the group together. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the, nothing that happens in the second but half. But there are is- degrees, right? Like, the, there, if let's say the Canucks keep losing. Then I think everyone's to the point where it was like, yeah, like, blow this thing to kingdom come this offseason. But if they win, then you're going to be like, ah, you know what? Garland's looked pretty good. Maybe we go. Maybe maybe we keep him, and or then, maybe this guy. Maybe like he's looked pretty good. Maybe we keep him. Maybe maybe the Tockett system doesn't means we don't have to get as aggressive in changing the mix on defense. I mean, the mantra should be: "Where's the major surgery? Don't or, be fooled is, by the winds. Yeah, don't when's, be fooled when's the by ma- the winds. When's the major surgery? When is it scheduled for? Or are you now deciding not to undergo surgery because you want to rehab the injury? That should that should be the question." my favorite part of the show. Well, that's say, Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always dead. 8.32 on a Tuesday. Hands down the best song to talk along with and try and provide some cadence for. Totally forgot about Big Band Tuesday. This is great. Halford Bruff. Here it comes. Ready? Go. Sometimes I like to imagine that I'm hosting like a nighttime talk show in the 60s, 70s, the Johnny Carson thing. This next guest brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. 
You could do that back in the day. The doctor's choice. I started rewatching Mad Men, and it's it's alarming, actually, how much they smoke. Yeah. You don't really realize because it just becomes part of the like a prop, like a character. And it just you'd think that after a while, <laughs> it would stop being so prominent. But like, there's not a room that Don Draper walks into where the first thing he does anything other than light up a cigarette. Well, newsrooms used to be like that. Yeah, yeah. not, well, not anymore. Everywhere used to be like that. Yeah. Do you remember how much advertising there used to be from cigarettes? Like cigarettes were like it's like the gambling ads now are basically like the yeah. cigarette ads <laughs> of old. Uh, do you remember watching like uh, indie car racing? Everything was cigarettes. It was like yeah. Demorier players. Yeah, Marlboro Lights right on the side of the car. <laughs> I went to a show one time. This was way back in my early twenties, right when like smoking indoors was kind of being phased out. And one of the shows was actually presented by a tobacco company, and they had servers walking around with a tray of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You could just pluck one from it. How many did you pluck? Uh, like thirty. I'm like, these are free. <laughs> I can just have this whole tray. I just I, I went outside and resold them to people. I'm like, Do you know suckers. I've never I've never smoked an entire cigarette in my life. Oh, you haven't gone all the way through flavor country then? No, it's a big country. I've never smoked a cigarette either. I tried it. I mean, I I've, like, I've had. Tobac- I don't like this. I've had tobacco mixed yeah. in with other things without realizing it, which is th- uh, common with European right. folks who come yes. here. They like to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I've never smoked a cigarette. I think I was scared so much by what my parents said. It was like, <laughs> you take one puff of that, kiss it goodbye. Put the fear of God into you. Yeah, yeah. make yeah. you smoke the whole pack. No, uh, I think they would just. Hey, kid, you name. look pretty sophisticated with that cigarette. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get to what I we learned. Feel learns. cooler is the thing. Okay. Uh, what are we doing here? We cut you. Bruff got cut from what we learned. I've had a good one for like a week, which I've been sitting on. It's not, everyone's seen it, Andy. Everyone's seen it. Everyone has seen the guy who is, who is reacting to the new alcohol laws. Like everyone's (laughs) seen it. It's okay. (laughs) It's so good. It's okay. It's fine. Everyone's Uh, seen it now. Hamilton in the news again. Alcohol laws. It's recommendation. It's guidelines, that's, and that's what he doesn't get. Laws. It's just a guideline. He's like, "Why are they making us do this? No one's making you do that. I it's just beer. guidelines." I have six beer. They're like, "Stay out of my life, government!" Like I, they're not making you do anything. I also like that you're trying to bring to light a video that went viral like a <laughs> week ago. Like yeah. a week ago. That's the thing. It's too late, laddie. Okay, going, hold on. I got what we learned about the boom goes the oh dynamite guy. <laughs> Where is he now? This know. is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.